welcome to the Women on War podcast. Where your two not-so-average museum gals discuss various topics on warfare, all of the while drinking and slinging some jokes. I'm your host, Alyssa Atkins. And I'm your host, Jillian Drapolo. This week, we will be continuing our two-part episode on the Hatfield-McCoy feud, where we will be giving the perspective of the women, or perhaps just their thoughts through most of this episode. But before we get into it, we have to tell you what we are drinking. I'm drinking moonshine <laughs> because you can't have the Hatfields and McCoys and not talk about moonshine. Alyssa, what are you drinking? I am drinking my normal, um, just a simple Irish meal. So Jameson, ginger beer, as well as lime juice. Keeping it pretty simple here. I was in Virginia Beach and so I drank a little bit too much craft beer. Not really. I only had like a couple craft beers, but I figured we'll go to my opposite spectrum and hit the whiskey, especially because we're talking about the Hatfield McCoys, who also distilled not only moonshine, but whiskey. So it kind of works. There you go. And, you know, diving right into it, last week, just a recap for everybody, we left off with that pesky hog, which, you know, was the cause of the feud or one of the causes of the feuds, because there's too many causes for this feud. But as a recap for everyone who didn't get a chance to listen, old Randall McCoy went over to Floyd Hatfields to pay a visit in which he saw his hog or at least claimed to have seen a McCoy marking on it. So it caused the two to go to court in which a McCoy testified that it was indeed Floyd's, thus starting the feud, which looking at last week's episode and this week's, things are going to take a more serious turn and it escalates dramatically and very much is the sad ending to our West Side Story Appalachian musical and such a fitting ending for 2020. <laughs> I actually didn't really put two and two together with our with 2020 and our wild, obscure war. <laughs> right? Seriously. Until now, just because 2020 has definitely put us through the ringer. And mm-hmm. the event that we are going to be discussing with the Hatfield McCoys definitely put the families to the ringers, respectively. Not just together, but, or collectively, I should say, as a whole. However, separately. So, as Jillian had just mentioned, we're definitely taking that serious turn because not every story can have a happy ending, unfortunately. And looking at this feud, it is still mind-boggling to me, even though we have researched so much. I've heard so many things all throughout, whether it was taking history classes or family stories. If I was, we'll say like the wives in the family, right? You know, you're looking at Sarah McCoy, who is Randolph McCoy's wife, and Levisy Hatfield, who is Devlin Ant Hatfield's wife. I can just imagine them trying to be ever so supportive during the feud. However, these events, I believe, definitely more than likely may have forced them to think otherwise. So you, at one point, you probably had them saying like, oh, get him, you know, get him over, you know, Randall, get him, devil ants, you can do it, everything is fine. And then with the events perspiring, they're probably slowly sinking back, you know, like Homer from The Simpsons, that yeah. gif where he's like slowly sinking into yeah. like, the bushes. That's probably <laughs> what's going on with the wives at this moment, where they're like, mm, maybe, maybe not. We're not doing this anymore. Right. I mean, it's definitely interesting to think about things from their point of view. But if you were to put yourself in their shoes, like what were their thoughts on the feud? And unfortunately, that that's the thing with history is that we'll never actually like know what their thoughts are like on this were unless they like journaled it somewhere but 
Were they active in encouraging their husbands to come up with the next plan? Like, were they the godfathers themselves? You know, thinking of like my big fat Greek wedding, like the man is the head, but the woman is the neck and can turn the, the head any which way she wants. Like that might not have been the case in like 1860, 1880s, like at that time. But I mean, you never know. But looking at the families today, the women even say this feud ended a long time ago by the men, by devil ants and old Randall. And why are their descendants like still fighting? Like I'm still, you know, they're all thinking, you know, just sitting there shaking their heads at the men like, we love you, but you're crazy. <laughs> it's it's really funny thinking about it because I, like I said, you know, we talked about it briefly in the first episode about how I am related to both sides, but one specifically like on one side of my family. So it's my dad's side with them still fighting or so on and so forth. My sister had her graduation party. So this was back in 2006. And my cousins that came up from Saltville, Virginia, which is actually about an hour and a half from where I'm at, they came up and those are the Hatfields. And then my, um, I believe my, he's my great uncle. He is McCoy and everything along those lines. And he came and my dad was, you know, introducing everybody, just kind of, you know, being a host. And he said, oh, he said, well, Jim is McCoy and Michael's a Hatfield. And they shook hands and, you know, just evil eyeing each other. But they were totally joking. So some some Hatfield McCoys don't take it as seriously as they used to. But there's still some Hatfield McCoys out there that are like evil eyeing each other. However, you know, that is still a really great point that you made where you're like, we love you, but you guys are totally crazy. And although we joke around about the pig and the numerous court orders that continue to occur, there was definitely an additional event that truly created a deeper turning point in the feud. And of course, in true Hatfield and McCoy fashion, it happens on an election day in, 18, in August of 1882. So we see that those elections could be romantic or deadly. And we thought politics in this day was bad, but really, it's really, like I said, it just goes back to being completely and totally mind boggling because we already know the Hatfields have this huge influence in the area specifically. And I believe this particular election day took place within McCoy territory. So I believe it took place in Kentucky. You know, you think, okay, maybe the McCoys have an upper hand. Not really, because the Hatfields at this point are really everywhere. And as you mentioned, play risk. <laughs> Devil Ants played risk when he was a kid. So he just literally went throughout this region in Appalachia and was like, I want this place because you have this tree. I want that place because you have that tree. And so he eventually branches over, his family branches over to the Kentucky side of the Big Sandy Fork River. Um, we're, we're just going to dive deeper into this more. So buckle up, everybody, yes. because I, I'm going to get serious. I mean, I feel like nothing good ever happens on an election day unless it actually does, something good does happen. But I mean, that's very rare, <laughs> like few and far in between. So like the event that Alyssa is talking about is, you know, three of old Randall McCoy's sons ended up in a violent dispute with two brothers of Devil Ants, which resulted in the McCoy brothers stabbing Devil Ants' brother Ellison uh, multiple times as well shooting him in the back. Uh, and this clearly fueled the anger of the Hatfields, which, you know, resulted in them apprehending the McCoy brothers and taking them to Hatfield territory. I mean, the McCoys went for a big low blow. I, you know, I think in a couple of scuffs I've seen men get into is if you want to go for a low blow, you go directly for a sibling, a significant other, or a mom. And again, it's very Romeo and Juliet, like you killed my cousin Tybalt. But I can't even imagine like going into enemy territory, you know, as, you know, another family, because that's just straight up something not 
to be taken lightly, like, I'd be pretty scared. Oh, for sure. I mean, when we were discussing really about the landscape that these families lived in, too, you know, you have so many hollers on top of hollers. And at this point, you know, I mean, still this region of Appalachia isn't necessarily built up, but only imagine like taking yourself back to the 1880s and only having area that maybe the Hatfields know, right? Like in Hatfield territory and McCoys have no idea what's going on and where, you know, what this place can lead to, or, you know, I mean, really your only saving grace and guidepost would be the big Sandy river. And I mean, even hearing the story, we know that things were pretty lawless, even though, you know, there was a law that we've already established favored one family, not necessarily both families. It's just kind of when you think about it, when they took the McCoy brothers to Hatfield territory, they eventually received word that Ellison had died. Now we know Ellison is double Ance's brother. So there is going to be some deep, deep rooted revenge. And even though, like, I know you briefly joked around about, oh, you killed my cousin Timbolt. Sure, Shakespearean dramas are just that, extreme drama. This really became something that truly turned the, the tides, basically, for this feud. What happened next, though, was, you know, Allison died. The Hatfield party bound the McCoy brothers to pawpaw bushes. And within minutes, they fired more than 50 shots, killing all three brothers. So despite having felt the revenge was more than likely warranted, the law quickly felt otherwise. Therefore, indictments were created against 20 men, including Devil Ants and his sons for the deaths of the three McCoy brothers. And even like touching base on this, we, I mean, first of all, when I was reading this and, you know, just discussing it, you know, Jillian's like shaking her fist in the air, like sweet justice. justice. So there you go, you have that visual. Um, <laughs> and I hope all of you listeners are doing the same thing. Um, but what's really interesting further like if we're going to bring a history to today is that you can actually go to the location of the pawpaw bushes and see where the three McCoy brothers were killed you can actually go to that specific spot within west virginia and take a look at it and this is basically set up all throughout this region where you can visit certain areas however in my eyes as a mccoy i wonder if i would ever truly want to go there like, could you imagine later on with Sarah McCoy going to that spot and feeling such emotion? And at that point, I feel like she really was not necessarily becoming Homer Simpson, but really looking at, oh, Randall, like, this needs to end. Yeah. This literally needs to end. And yeah. so, like, I mean, this feud had already been, you know, steeped in blood um, by, like, cousins and, and things like that. But now you're getting to direct... Like, you know, this was my brother that you just, and that is like, oh, heck no. I get exactly what you're saying, like about Sarah going to, you know, the, the pawpaw bushes. And I mean, I probably wouldn't want to, like, if it were me, I'd be like, I agree, this needs to end. What are we going to do? And you know, what's really intriguing is like, despite the charges, the Hatfields, they eluded arrest, which only results in the West Side story of the Appalachians to continue in which case the McCoys were boiling with anger and outrage that the Hatfields walked free. I mean, I would be too. I can only imagine witnessing that. Like they got off, you know, scotch free. They definitely made a statement showing the McCoys that you don't mess with the Hatfields, which is only causing the violence to go up from here. I feel like we can add some more fuel to this fire, shall we? Like someone even 
more petty comes along by the name of Perry Klein. We know that pettiness runs. <laughs> not, I'm not saying in the Hatfield McCoy feud specifically, but with a lot of obscure wars, there has to be something petty that's going on. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it's just, you look at it, you're like, why? You're petty? Like going back to the Great Emu War, they were petty over the emus being emus. Mm-hmm. However, Perry Klein was actually the man in which Double Ants had won 5,000 acres from in one of the very first court battles between the two families. So that was actually one of the very first key points that we had discussed in last week's episode. And Perry Klein, which I'm going to call him Petty Klein because you will see how petty he gets in just a few seconds. (laughs) Klein, not Perry Klein, which actually I just said it in the way that he says his name in the wonderful History Channel's version of their Memorial Weekend (laughs) called Hatfield McCoy's. Please, please watch it, everybody. (laughs) Just so you can hear it. Um, Anyway, to get back on it, he was actually married to Martha McCoy, who was the widow of Asa Harmon McCoy, the Union Army black sheep of the family. Oh, boy. This family, both families, we've noted, run deep in this region. But it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. In many ways, historians truly believe that Klein was looking for his own form of revenge or pettiness and eventually had these charges reinstated against the Hatfields. So can we just like break this down for a minute? Because Perry Klein was like, 5,000 acres. What is this? Oh, I'm going to marry Martha McCoy. She's going to become my wife. And then he's like, sweet justice. I can bring justice to Devil Ants, you know, Devil Ants Hatfield and just go, go for it by the form of this. And I'm sure he's probably, you know, praising God at this moment of like, thank you, Lord, for doing this for me. And just, oh gosh, it's just crazy. I feel like he he would like bust down a door and be like, I'm back, baby. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh God, here we go again. But this is also why, you know, you drink moonshine or Irish mules for stories like these, because this feud is too much. Didn't he also announce the rewards for the arrest of the Hatfields, including Devil Ants? Oh, you bet. Yes, absolutely. And the best part is that even after doing that, the media began to report on the feud in 1887. So we know what the media loves to do today. So back then, if you ever read like news articles, and I was trying to find a couple of them just to see what kind of titles they were, it was pretty difficult. However, I will say going back to our trend of pettiness, oh, they were ridiculous. Like it was just the Hetfields did this today. And then like somebody with a, I don't know, for some reason, a noble British woman's accent is coming to mind, which is like, but then the McCoys did this. And it's just like, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? You're do the voice. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the, Oh, my T voice. Like, Ooh, yeah. you know, this round <laughs> goes to the McCoys once. Oh, excuse me. No, this one goes to the Hatfields. Oh, the tides have turned. I mean, I get exactly what you're saying about the media because even, you know, in the civil war, I jokingly like to call them, you know, the Shutter Brigade, because Northern newspapers made the South sound awful and horrible. And then the, you know, South newspapers made the North sound exactly the same way. So, I mean, the media is kind of like fueling the fire in this result. But 
I mean, good riddance. You know, there's a lot of serious happenings going on in this timeline. But at this point, like, again, can you imagine the wives? I mean, absolutely. I think I truly, from what I've gathered beforehand about really digging into the wives, Sarah McCoy was very peaceful, very calm. She was one who was well-respected throughout the McCoy um, family. However, Levesey, on the other hand, I mean, she had to deal with devil hands. Like, let's be real here. Devil hands with his risk-playing abilities and all of the lawlessness that truly was occurring. um, You know, she was probably looking at the members of her family and realized, you know, she was reading what was going on, too, was essentially they were being portrayed as violent backwoods hillbillies that roamed the mountains stirring up violence because they were (laughs) you know looking at it you know there's not many occurrences where the mccoys truly i from my what i said from my gathering and now this could be totally different because maybe i'm reading bias sources um but there's not very many occurrences and sources that say that the McCoys always went out first for you know harm or anything along those lines it was really the Hatfields. So I feel like this really drove the Hatfields to pay attention to the bounty on their heads, first of all, because most of them were deeply, like they were just hiding. Once again, deep hollers in Appalachia and, you know, knowing the land very well, especially because their family owns so much of it with ants being a lumber baron of some sort. Mm-hmm. But by paying attention to the bounty, this led to, which I'm drumrolling everybody. The big plan to end the commotion between the two families by none other than the Hatfields and their supporters. So their big plan was to attack Randolph McCoy and his family on New Year's Day in 1888. So Devil Lance's son and uncle, as well as a group of Hatfield men, ambushed the McCoy's home, resulting in the unfortunate death of Randolph and Sarah's children, Calvin and Alifair. And Sarah tragically is left beaten and suffered a crushed skull and Randolph flees to go get help. I mean, I, ugh, why is, so we're going to go for an even lower blow again, you know, retaliation. And I, I can't even imagine like, you know, this is a good idea. Really? Really? Is it though? It just makes me wonder how much moonshine the Hatfields were drinking at the time. What kind of, was it distilled properly or did it go straight to their brain and made them decide that this was a fantastic idea? At this point, I need more moonshine, like just reading like this story and the more research we put into it and like, oy. I feel like both of us are right now, especially after really reading like first episode of we definitely had like all funny games because of the pig and it was really funny. Um, but really, like you said, this is so deep and relatively in so many ways disturbing, but to kind of pull a joke with that, cause we were talking, you just said like, I just need all of the moonshine in the world. Like right now, Jillian, I could imagine if you and I were together and we were really doing this, it would be like that um, moonshine I guess, like, face-off between Ron Swanson's mom and Sammy Wine. <laughs> Sammy. And, and <laughs> is in the middle, just like, I got this. <laughs> and then, well, at some point, you know, 
Raj just like screw this and you know he like does the thing with the moonshine jug and just like starts drinking it I feel like that's the point that you and I are at yeah (laughs) after reading yeah oh yeah yeah it's so oh gosh I mean in true Hatfield McCoy fashion though because it is the lawless Appalachians at this point you know you have bounties and you have people who are in hideouts and there's gunslinging battles and all of these things there is actually a bounty hunter which i'm hoping all of you right now can hear the mandalorian theme playing if you can't i'm <laughs> or sorry just, or just like it. imagine it <laughs> um, anyway, this, you got it just like i got it um frank phillips who is the bounty hunter in this case chased down the men thus killing devil ants his uncle and wounding his son cap so additionally phillips rounded up nine hatfield members and supporters and put them in jail but let's not forget once again so much ruthlessness so much pettiness but really in this case i feel like this is where the tides truly turn in favor for the or for the mccoys because bounty hunter phillips married nancy mccoy hatfield remember everybody nancy mccoy was the wife of John Z and also the daughter of Asa Harmon McCoy. So she personally at this point, I think is seeking out revenge at this point. Um, but she could be doing it for many reasons. You know, maybe she's had enough and she felt terrible for what she did to Rosanna, who was her cousin who had a child with John Z out of wedlock. And let's not forget, know. like, John C. was the scum that ran away from Rosanna after having that baby out of wedlock. And then marries Nancy and like you said is the daughter of Asa Harmon McCoy who was the union black sheep of the family so I agree with you these ladies might be trying to get their own revenge a little bit but like I'd like to be a fly on those walls these ladies do not play any games you know I mean taking this story forward in later years the courts continued to judge the legal merits of the Hatfield cases which wound it up in the U.S. Supreme Court of all places and in 89, uh, the Hatfields and their supporters were sent to life in prison. Now, I don't know if this person, Ellison Mounts, who was sent to prison, who was also the alleged nephew of Devil Ants, was an innocent bystander in all of this since his name never comes up in the story. But there are also too many people in this story. You know, he was sentenced to, to death. And despite him being known to have been mentally handicapped, many viewed him as the scapegoat. So in 1890, on February 18th, Ellison Mounts was executed and his final words were, and this is haunting, and it gives me goosebumps even saying this, they made me do it, the Hatfields made me do it. I'm wondering if they put the blame on him because he was a quote-unquote alleged nephew and maybe not considered a real part of the family. And that probably, you know, could have messed him up, you know, growing up. Oh, for sure. I mean, thinking about it, if he was kind of rejected by the Hatfields because he was a child out of wedlock as well, it's something that's really interesting to look at. And the fact that his final words were, they made me do it, the Hatfields made me do it, really shows you how completely entirely messed up the Hatfield side was. And so many ways like at first you know when you're researching this you're looking at things and you're like oh okay it's pretty even and then you keep diving deeper and you start reading further and you're realizing like this was really one-sided and 
you know, looking at it too, a lot of the times, if you were in, I guess, the condition in which Allison Mounts was, your family puts you in a group home. And these group homes, these asylums back then, literally were not where you wanted to be. So it's very possible that at one point he could have been in one and they just decided to toss him off to the side. Even when you do that and so on and so forth, or you were looking at how heavily one-sided this feud was, it's just because of the region that they're in. And I know I keep talking about that. It's just, if you were affluent in this region, once again, even still today, you have greater influence. And this was definitely the case, um, really, when it comes down to looking at everything. However, you know, time passes and the feud eventually faded and old Raina McCoy and double aunts, as well as the remaining kin, um, especially through very, very small remaining kin of both Sarah and old Raynal, uh, they actually attempt to recede into relative obscurity, despite their names looming in American history. And I would like to touch back on old Raynal McCoy and Sarah McCoy. They really did not have any children after this feud. Taking it into an even serious tone, I'm really sorry, folks, next week's episode will definitely be more lighthearted. You could only imagine the immense amount of grief that this woman could have had. And, you know, especially after her, essentially her traumatic brain injury at the hands of the Hatfields. And so, well, Randall really just wanted to go back to a very simple life. Like, as we said, he was kind of just a simple farmer and living in the mountains and just was relatively peaceful, especially after the Civil War. Now, Devil Ants, however, was... He went back to the same thing. He continued his lumber company. But what is most striking is that in the turn of the century, became a born-again Christian. And the reason why historians believe is because he had been truly the single-handed reason as to why so many deaths occurred in this feud. There was a lot of accounts that I have read that have said that he could no longer bear the weights of those. And so he felt that this could help him. He, I believe, eventually passed away when he was 70 or 80, if I am not mistaken. So yeah, pretty tough stuff. And, and you know, there's so many more people to this feud. Depending on how far you want to get into it, dear listener, we will let you look at it. Stay tuned next week for our first episode of 2021. It gets even crazier. It's the Battle of the Oaken Bucket. And yes, you heard me correctly, a battle over an oak bucket. Sometimes wars are just fought over the most ridiculous things.